we just thank you for another opportunity to hear from you today on this podcast. We thank you that you are doing something exceedingly abundantly above anything and everything that we could imagine, that we could hope for, that we could dream of God. Our biggest prayers, our wildest imaginations, God, our most impossible, seemingly impossible dreams, God. That is what you are doing in our lives. Holy Spirit, you are at work. You are at work both to will, to cause us to will and to do the Father's good pleasure. You are causing us to conform to the image of Jesus. You are renewing our minds. You are revealing the truth and you are manifesting Jesus in our lives. You are the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, Holy Spirit. And I know that every, everyone listening today to the podcast, including myself, wants to know Jesus. We want to become, like the Apostle Paul said, more intimately and experientially acquainted with the wonders of his person. You are wonderful, Jesus. You are glorious. You are perfect in every way. And we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your obedience that led even to your own physical death and resurrection (laughs) and ascension. Lord, we just thank you that you were perfectly obedient for us. And now because of your perfect obedience, there is no way for us to get separated from you, that it's not based on our performance anymore. It's not based on what we can or can't do in our own human effort. But God, it is really complete. It is complete, Jesus, because of what you've done. So take us where you want us to go today in this podcast. Lead us where you want uh, us to to go, and we're going to follow. We're going to follow today. I'm going to follow. I'm going to just release your agenda now for the podcast. I'm also going to release your agenda for every single listener, Lord. I just declare that they are on heaven's agenda. They are fully in sync with what you're doing, God. And you are working things out together for their good, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what is happening in their lives, God. You're bigger than all of that. And so I just release us into the victory of Jesus. I I release us into the fullness of what Jesus has done and just the, the breakthrough and the the experience of eternal life right now. So I just uh, thank you in advance, Lord. And we call all of this done in Jesus' name. Well, I am so glad that you are joining me today. And I felt like right here up front, if this is, I just want to welcome anyone that may be their first podcast. I I feel like a lot of people get to these podcasts because their friends tell them about it or they pass it on to other people. And I do know, I was talking to the team this week, that we're just gaining new listeners every single week. And so I just want to take a moment to welcome those of you that are new to the podcast 
this week. And I also want to encourage um, both those of you that are new and those of you that have been listening uh, to make sure that you have printed out the prophetic word for 2020 that God spoke. Uh, you know, there's a, a podcast that I did on it in early in January, uh, but there's also uh, the prophetic word that you can find over on Shalise.com. If you go to my blog, um, then you will find the word. And I'm saying that because I am... First of all, I very much am yielded to whatever the Father wants to say on each and every one of these podcasts. I really don't come in with an agenda. I'm always, you know, spending time with God and obviously studying and all those things. So I feel very filled up every time I come in to start the podcast. But I purposely don't prepare, say, you know, like a teaching outline or something, because I am so committed, honestly, not only to pursuing God's agenda, but to letting God use this podcast in ways that I would never be able to fathom. I would never be able to dream up. I really want God to use this in your lives, to do whatever it is that he wants to do in your life. And I say that because one of the things that he is really continually pointing back to is this word that I spoke over 2020. And interestingly enough, um, it actually went back into 2019. So I feel like today I'm just going to read that word and get us back on, you know, maybe refreshing our memories about what God was speaking. So I posted it on my blog uh, on, it looks like January 15th. And I'm going to find it again. Oh, wait, let me look. It looks like here. Okay. January 15th links to the word. It was January 7th that I actually posted it. And here's what it says. I'm just going to read this to you. It says every year at the beginning of the year, I sit down with the father to ask him what he wants me to speak over the coming year for those who are connected with me. And this year I must say, I was a bit surprised by what I heard rather than giving me a new word for the year or the decade. Even he actually led me back to what he spoke over last year in 2019 and expounded on that. And here's what I heard him say about 2020. Okay, I'm going to read this now. It says, 2020 is going to be the year of mastery, of mastering the one thing. This is the year that you are going to actually learn to abide in me. This is not a new word. It is a continuation of the word I gave you for 2019. I am not finished with the work I started in your tribe, again, he's speaking to me, last year, and I will not stop until I finish the good work I began. He said, what did I speak over 2019? Was it accomplished? Was it completed? What about the words I spoke to you in 2018, 2017, 2016? So many of my kids are going from word to word, thing to thing, person to person, teaching to teaching, ministry to ministry, conference to conference, looking for the next thing. But that is not how I work. I am patient. I will wait thousands of years if that's what it takes to see my word fulfilled. The generation entering into 2020 is an instant gratification generation. And the decades leading us here have created an instant gratification church. But I am shaking the foundations, especially in the West. I am shaking everything that can be shaken. I will have my way with my bride. 
So if you want to know what I'm speaking over 2020, start with what I said in 2019 and we can go from there. Take some time to go back and really let what I spoke sink in. Then don't be so quick to go from thing to thing to thing to thing. Abiding is all about a state of being. It's all about learning to live in the present moment. It's all about staying awake to my presence and learning to flow and be led by me. Who is building your life, you or me? Who is fulfilling your life purpose, you or me? Whose goals are you pursuing, yours or mine? What I really want is all of you. I want to live my life through you every moment of every day. I want you to remain in me. I want you to stay connected to my voice. I want you to follow my instructions. I want to accomplish my will through you. I want to release my kingdom, heaven, through you. So what does that mean practically? It means death to independence. Death to living under the influence of anything but me. That's right. I want you under my influence at all times. When people talk about being under the influence, it normally means that they are not in their right mind. But when I talk about being under the influence, I'm talking about staying in your right mind, my mind. I want to influence your thoughts, your feelings, your choices, every aspect of your life. What I always want for Christmas is more of you. It isn't about a new word. This isn't about setting new goals. This is about surrendering to such a degree and allowing my life to flow through you to such a degree that you can no longer discern where you end and where I begin. It's about experiencing perpetual communion and perfect union with me. And if this takes the next 20 years for you to learn, then so be it. Why? Because this is the key, and I want to add the definition of living a successful life. Abiding in the vine is how fruit is produced. It's not about achieving goals in some independent manner. It's not about striving. It's not about toil. It's about living my life in and through you. And when this happens, heaven will manifest. And I will use you to accomplish my agenda. Now, I do encourage you, if you do, have not printed this word off, to go and do that. And I also encourage you, um, there's a link in here that you can go and read the word for 2019 to print that off as well. I, I think it's very interesting that today uh, the father asked me to begin here by going back and reading the word. I actually spent all morning in prayer and just spending time journaling and sitting with the Lord uh, this morning. And it's interesting to me that, you know, as I go back and read this today, there's new things that are popping out to me uh, than when I actually got the word originally. And I'm saying that because one of the things about mastering something is that it takes repetition. You do not master anything in life doing it a few times. I don't care if that's, you know, riding a bicycle or learning to drive a car or if you do any sport, right? Or if you take up a, uh, to play a musical instrument, 
instrument. I mean, there's even, um, you can Google it out there. There's even these YouTube videos out, out there about, about 10,000 hours and about 10,000 hours being a key to becoming a genius in something that if you want to be, you know, a master violinist, that you need to play the violin for 10,000 hours. If you want to be a, an incredible, um, actor or actress, then you need to be in acting for, you know, 10,000 hours. If you want, the point is, is that to expect to master something without committing your time to that and putting effort in, into that is an illusion. It's not going to happen. And the whole word for this year, which is a continuation of last year, in, in other words, it's God says he's not getting off of it. And that if it takes 20 years, for us to get it, he's not leaving it. Like this may literally be the last prophetic word I ever give, or maybe it's even the last topic I ever teach on. I'm not sure, but I do know this, that if this is the def, if mastering the one thing, which is abiding in Christ, abiding in the vine and living out of your true identity, which is really more about the focus of how it was said in 2019, if that is the key to living a successful life or the definition is kind of what I heard today of living a successful life, then it behooves us to not go, keep going to the next thing. And what, 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 why that's bad, I'm kind of getting a revelation from the Holy Spirit while I'm talking about that right now, is when we are focused on the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing, and we go from thing to thing and conference to conference and topic to topic, we never master anything. We literally just become, literally become consumers of information. And information literally does not change our lives. Information, you know what it does? It, it's an illusion of progress. It's like you're doing something that, it's almost like figuring out something is the same thing as solving something. And it's not. Consuming the information does not make that information manifest in your life. <laughs> Reading the book does not make the truths contained in the book manifest in your life. But there's something that is almost deceptive about it because you feel like by studying it or by consuming it, you're changing it. And I'm not saying that getting the information is not a part of transformation. So I'm not saying we shouldn't ever consume information. But it's, it's a diet, you know, that you have to absorb the information, it, you know, it, it's, you have to not just eat it. It's, it's not just about what you eat. It's about what you can absorb and what can actually transform your life. And I find it very interesting. I was actually in the scripture this morning and I've read this scripture a lot of times, but I'd never read it in this translation before. So let me just pull it up here for my journal this morning. Uh, I, hopefully I wrote it down because sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Uh, it's from John chapter 5. Okay, here we go. John 5.39 says this, and I feel like it's about the consumption of information, although it's specifically talking. It's, let me just read it, and I'll teach on it. It says, John 5.39 says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Now I wrote this, this is, I don't even know what translation this is. I think it's the voice, but I'm not sure because I just wrote it in my journal here, but it says the same scripture. 
It says this though, it says, you are busy analyzing the scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. Oh, I need to look it up because I didn't write down 40. But the point is, (laughs) um, oh, let me just look it up really quick. I apologize. I thought I wrote the whole thing in my journal, but I didn't. So I love the way that that one reads. You know, here you are, it says, you're busy analyzing the scriptures and frantically pouring over the scriptures. So let me get to it. But it says, yet you still refuse to come to me so I can give you the life you're looking for, eternal life. So that's the Passion Translation, actually. I'm going to read it again. 39, you are busy analyzing the scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. Everything you read points to me, yet you still refuse to come to me so I can give you the life that you're looking for, eternal life. I think what's so powerful about this is that it kind of ties into this idea of us going thing to thing, you know, thing to thing, conference to conference, word to word, teaching to teaching, in that we're consuming this information, you know, good teaching, good revelation, but yet we aren't actually coming to the one that gives us eternal life. So mastering abiding and recognizing that it takes time to master something. It takes effort to master something. It takes a focus to master something uh, is, is a very important point of this word. I really believe that if you are listening to this podcast, because it's not like I'm, what am I trying to say? I'm, you know, it's not like I'm Joel Olstein, right? And when I say that, I mean, it's not like I have this at this point in, in the, of the ministry, this following that is, you know, millions and millions of people. So I, I believe with all of my heart that if you are listening to this podcast, it is by divine connection. It is by divine appointment. And it is because it's an answer to what you have been seeking. And it is a call. I believe your connection to me is a part of the call of God on your life. I believe that what I am sharing with you and what God is sharing with you through this podcast is because the call of God on your life is something that is bigger than you. It is something that in your own human effort and striving and even maybe talent and ability, it is not possible to do. And even more than that, I mean, yes, callings are important and they're the reason, you know, it's like the work that we've been on the pier on the planet to do. But more than that, it's also about a tribe that God is wanting to build. And I, I, his tribe, his people, his body that are truly living in union with him. That there is a people that a reformation, if you will. I believe this is a reform, a move of reformation in the church. I believe this word is a word of reformation in the church. I believe, why? Because it's a foundational word. Everything I teach is about 
living in union with God. It is about abiding in the vine. It's about living out of an identity that is 100% one with God. And the reality is, and I'm not really trying to be critical, it's just I don't know how as a reformer to not correct something that needs to be reformed. <laughs> and, and, and as a reformer, I just want to say that a large percentage of the information we are consuming in conferences and we are consuming in Christendom or whatever you want to call it, in the Christian world, in the culture of Christianity in 2020, is perpetuating a concept that there is a you apart from Christ and that there it's, it's perpetuating an independence from God that is very subtly steeped in religion. And it is about effort and about righteousness that is apart from Jesus. And until you get established in the reality of union with God, you are going to be deceived about who you are. And you're going to be deceived to a degree about what is possible for your life. And you're not going to be living as a way of being, i.e. in union with God, that can actually fulfill the call of God on your life. So it is a very subtle deception, and I think a brilliant one, honestly, perpetuated since the garden, that keeps us striving to be something that we already are and keeps us in a doing mode rather than a being mode. And I love that God said 2020 is the year that you are going to learn. And he said, actually learn. <laughs> I like that. To abide in me. Now, the thing that I like about this I was really actually sitting with this this morning too, is that God is the teacher. He is the one that is going to teach you how to abide. And it is something that we're going to learn how to do. And it's something that we are going to practice doing. I've said this in previous podcasts but you can only abide in the vine or abide in Christ or live in union with God in this moment right now. Abiding is a present tense word. It is abide in me, right? Dwell in me. Another word would maybe to say it would be live in me. And this is a present tense reality. And so you cannot physically abide in a moment that isn't right now. You can't abide in tomorrow's time. So it is literally a way of living that lives in the right now. And that is so powerful because Many of us 
are not even living our lives because we haven't learned to actually occupy the present moment. I mean, if we are not occupying this moment, then we are not experiencing our life. And that's just even, not even necessarily true of abiding. I mean, honestly, if you just aren't grounded and aware of this very moment right now, you're missing your life because you're not present. You're somewhere else. You're in your mind. You're you're in the future. You're thinking about the past. And so life is, you're just not actually even here to enjoy your life. But being in the present moment, by the way, is more than just like a practice of mindfulness that, you know, has kind of become all the rage in mental health and in psychological training programs now. Um, It also is, you know, kind of meditation from like a new age perspective or something where they're talking about, you know, being being present, practicing the present moment. Uh, What we're talking about when we're talking about abiding absolutely requires mindfulness in the sense that you have to be occupying the present moment. But it goes beyond that. Uh, It goes beyond just being present in a sense of, and let me just give an example of mindfulness now, okay? Regardless of where you are listening to this podcast at the moment, if you're sitting down, I want you to become aware of just the weight of your bum on the chair you're sitting in. Become where, where the part of your body is, is connecting to where you're sitting. If you're standing up, become aware of the, the ground underneath your feet. Okay, if you're driving, become aware of the steering wheel maybe in your hands. The point is, is that your awareness is now here in the present moment. Okay, you're just being aware of, of what your physical senses are telling you in this moment. And when we are not experiencing the world like this, we are most likely living out of our head, in our thoughts, in our imaginations, and we are just kind of oblivious, if you will. We're just kind of on autopilot to this present moment. And that, like, in a nutshell, is kind of what mindfulness is. It's about waking up to the present moment and becoming and, and, and having an awareness above your thinking life, above your emotional life. So you're, you know, not only do you become aware of, say, the floor under your feet or the chair you're sitting in, but you become aware of your thoughts. It's like you just become a watcher of your thoughts instead of just a thinker of your thoughts. And that is really, in a nutshell, what mindfulness is. And the reason why it's so powerful, the reason why the mental health community has uh, embraced it is because anxiety and depression is a, first of all, an epidemic, but secondly, it's a function of not, not, of living out of your emotions and living underneath your thoughts rather than observing them. And when we are trapped in our minds and trapped in a cycle of anxious thoughts or depressive thoughts or just that, that analytical mind, more of the doing mind, uh, we cannot, we're not awake really. And what mindfulness is, is it's the practice of, 
of, of not being your emotions and not being your thoughts and recognizing, which is a very scriptural concept, that you're not your thoughts, that you're not your emotions, that there is a you that lives outside of that that can be aware of your thoughts and aware of your emotions. Now, why am I taking a moment to explain this? Because abiding in the vine absolutely requires mindfulness. Because the only way you can abide is, is, is basically by living in this moment. And, but abiding goes another step beyond mindfulness in the sense that you're not just aware of your physical senses interacting with the physical world, such as the sensations in your feet standing on the ground or the sensation of the steering wheel in your hand or the chair on your back, okay? Even though by placing your your awareness on those things, it grounds you in this moment, okay? And then becoming aware of your thoughts and aware of your emotions absolutely lifts you out, transcends you being in your thoughts and being your emotions. But there is a you that I'm connecting with that is the watcher of your thoughts, that is the awareness, if you will, that is aware of, you know, the ground under your feet. It's that you that I'm actually concerned with because that you has an identity. That aware you, that watcher you has an identity. And that you is in, is in union with God. That, that is, first of all, your spirit is that awareness. Your consciousness above your thoughts, above your mind. It is not the mind of the flesh. It's the mind of the spirit. And that mind of the spirit is connected to the mind of God. And you have spiritual senses, not just physical senses. And those spiritual senses, you have eyes, you have ears, you have a sense of taste, you have a a feel, you have the ability to sense and feel things. You have a sense of, I don't know which ones I didn't say, but you know, there's five of them, just like your physical ones, you'll grab it. And when you are living in as the real you, Okay, yeah, you, what's so powerful about that is that that is the real you. And that you is powerful. That is one with Jesus. One with Jesus. And it transcends. It's more than your body. It's more than your mind. And it gets you out of, the moment that you start observing your thoughts and observing your emotions, you know what you, you can do from that place? It's get out of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't have to eat of that tree when you're observing those things. When you're observing it, guess what? You're not judging it. You're not being your thoughts. You're not being your emotions. But you're also just, when I say observing it, you're observing, honestly, the carnal mind. You're observing the programmed mind. You're observing a fallen emotional being. And I say fallen, I don't mean fallen in the sense that it hasn't been redeemed and it's not one with Jesus and there's something wrong with it. I'm not saying that when I say fallen. I just mean that it is under the control of the carnal mind. Especially, when I say, let me say this, the unrenewed mind. Let me say that. 
especially to the degree that you are not, your mind is not renewed to living like this. Life in the spirit is a different way of living than life in the body. And when I say in the body, I don't mean life in the spirit is a, you're not in this world or you're not, you know, but it, it transcends it. I hope I'm making sense with what I'm trying to explain. For me, I have a very much a visual way of relating to this revelation right now. And I'll see if I can share it with you, if the picture will help you. Um, it's almost like there is a you that is bigger than your body, that your spirit obviously occupies your body, but it's bigger than your body. So your body does not truly just house your spirit. It's almost like it, it, your body just can't contain it, I guess is what I would say. And when you become aware of your spirit or you become aware in this present moment that there is a you that can observe your body, that can observe your thoughts, that can almost take a, a view outside of just yourself. It's as though, I don't know, let me just kind of describe it. It's like there's a mind above your mind or there's a, there's a head above your head <laughs> or something, you know. Um, but there's it, it, this awareness to me, when I, when I think of this awareness, it always feels above my head. Now for you, it may feel in front of your face or it may feel you know, outside of your stomach, or I'm not sure where this awareness sits for you, but can you just even become aware of a, maybe of a you that is bigger than you? Because that you lives in union. But I also want to say this about that, because this you is also infusing every cell of your body. In Hebrews chapter 1, I think it's 3 or 4, it talks about how Jesus upholds all things by the word of his mighty power. And when I think about Jesus upholding all things by the word of his mighty power, I think about the word of his mighty power being a sound. Jesus is the word. He is the manifested word. He is a manifest, manifested sound. But there are incredible scriptures in the epistles that talk about just the preeminence of Jesus and how, in, how he is filling all things. And my point is, is that he is your spirit who lives in union with Jesus. The you that lives in union with Jesus, it, it is in every fiber of your being. The scripture says, oh, so powerful. In, ver, in the Passion Translation in verse 3, it says, The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. And so Jesus is in all things, and he is in you. He, you're one with him, but he is also filling your body. Every cell, I mean, if you could go down to a subatomic level, at a quantum level, Jesus 
the word, the spoken word, the vibration of Jesus is vibrating inside of you. And so this awareness of you being the carrier of God in your body, but also in this awareness (laughs) that I'm talking about is the beginning of discernment because discernment happens when human judgment no longer is in play. You cannot operate in God's judgment or God's thinking. When I say judgment, by the way, judgment is just an analytical process of deciding right and wrong and correct and incorrect. It is an analytical process. And when we think about discernment, it is really just God's perception, God's way of thinking about something. And you cannot be in your own mind and perceiving with God at the same time. There's a pretty powerful scripture I was reading. I mean, we've read it a million times, but I want to, I mean, you may have read it a million times. I know I have. In Psalm 4610, that we know, that the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. And we've had that scripture kind of in our heads for so long. I remember when I pastored and we had this room that was called the encounter room. We actually had that scripture on the wall, be still and know that I'm God, Psalm 4610. But the reality of it is, first of all, that's not even all of 4610. And if you read it out of context, you're really going to miss the power that's in that scripture. And it's very relevant to what I'm talking about. Let me read it first of all in just the full scripture, 4610, and then I'll read it in context of the entire psalm. Uh, It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So that is the the entirety of Psalm uh, 4610. And the reason I wanted to read it was because it does change it a little bit. You know, a lot of times when we read, when we've read that, be still, know that I'm God, it's almost like we're saying, relax, chill out, you know, get, get still and know that I'm God. It's almost like we envision like a, you know, a little, a little, you know, little stream, like a, you know, a little, little bobbling brook, you know, just something so peaceful. Let's sit down by the peaceful stream and commune with God. I mean, that's kind of what we think of it. But it's, it's actually way more than that because the context of the entire psalm is really in the context of utter chaos. Let me read it. It says, God, you're, I'm going to read the, the passion right now. It says, God, you're such a safe and power, powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble, more than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of a stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. 
pause in his presence it says here in the passion translation it says god has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people his river flows right through the city of god of the god most high into his holy dwelling places god is in the midst of his city secure and never shaken at daybreak his help will be seen the appearing of with the appearing of the dawn when the nations are in uproar with their tottering kingdoms God simply raises his voice and the earth begins to disintegrate before him. Here he comes, the commander, the mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Everyone look, come and see the breathtaking wonders of our God, for he brings both ruin and revival. He is the one who makes conflicts throughout the earth, breaking and burning every weapon of war. And then in this scripture here, 4610, in the passion, it says, surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop. Stop your striving and you will see that I am God. I am the God above the nations and will be exalted throughout the whole earth. Here he stands, the commander, the mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. So when you read this, this is in the context of kind of crazy stuff going on. It's not just, so it's not like, you know, let's go on a, a prayer retreat and let's, you know, commune with God. Let's be still and commune with God. No, this is talking about a stillness in the midst of chaos. And it's also talking about a way of being. When you look up the the Hebrew word for the the word still, it's a a word spelled R-A-P-A, Rapa, I think is how you say it. And it means to slacken, let down, or cease. And it's actually more akin to stopping frantic activity ceasing to strive or stop fighting. I even wrote down a couple of other thoughts on it. It's like snap out of it, wake up, right? And, and re-acknowledge God and get back into a place of awe and wonder. Psalm 46 is all about awe and wonder. It's like, why, why strive if God is, if you really know who God is, there's no reason to strive. And honestly, when you put this back into living in the moment and talking about living out of this moment and abiding in this moment, it also is about not just thinking with God and discerning and and all of that, but it's also about living in a place of childlike wonder, where where you can can actually be in a place where if I'm present, like I'm just going to walk over to the window here where I'm doing this podcast and I can just look outside and there's a little, this snow's been melting, but there's some snow. But I could just look at the snow for a moment. And it's interesting, when I look at the snow, I'm, I'm kind of all of a sudden noticing like how snow melts. I bet if I got like a time-lapse camera and I put it on the receding snow that's melting, that that would be fascinating to watch. I bet you there is even a science behind the melting of snow. Um, I'm starting to look here and I can actually see some green coming out of the dead kind of grass here, which is interesting because we've had frigid, you know, it's still winter here in Colorado. It's Feb, just first of March now. And yeah, that's normally spring, but I, I don't think I've ever really noticed that there's green grass in the dead grass underneath the snow until I came and looked out of the mirror, out of the window. I probably could sit here with the Holy Spirit And he could prophesy to me a prophetic meaning about the deadness and the new growth coexisting here. In fact, when Jesus taught in the Gospels, 
He used so many examples from nature to actually teach about the kingdom of God. But if I had not slowed down to come and look out the window and just really look, like look with fresh eyes at the snow and the grass and become present right now in this moment, what is, you know, and commune with God in the beauty of his creation. I mean, I'm not even outside, but I can still see it. I'm doing that as such a simple little example of what we miss when we are not awake, when we are not abiding, when we are not living out of this place that supersedes a human identity and a human way of being that is completely separated from God. And yet we are thinking somehow we're going to live a a successful life as a mere human being. I'm pausing for a moment because that's a, that's a deep thought, (laughs) you know, um, we are designed by God to live in union with him. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want to go back to just kind of the foundation scripture for all of this today in John 15. And I'll just start reading it in the Amplified Version. I keep passing it here on my phone. Let me get there. There we go, John 15. And let's see what it says. Let's read it with fresh eyes. It says, I am, Jesus is talking, a true sprouting vine. And the farmer who tends the vine is my father. Now I'm going to stop here for a moment because I think this is a really interesting picture of Jesus's relationship with the father. Another way of thinking of tending the vine, you would say is the caretaker of the vine. The one that makes sure that the vine is well watered and well groomed and taking care of it. In verse two, it says that he says, he cares for the branches connected to me. So I'm going to stop there for a moment. So the father, you and I are branches. We're going to read in a moment, but the father is tending and caring for you. And it says here, he cares for the branches connected me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Um, I taught at a church last Sunday, I probably should get a copy of that or the MP3 of that and maybe put it up on the podcast. That'd be helpful to do, but I'll try to get on that. Um, But I actually spoke last week on this scripture and I talked about how God is pruning us differently than we think that word means. You know, in in Christian world, it'd always be like, oh, I'm being pruned. I'm being pruned. This is so painful, right? But the truth is, you know what he's pruning out of our lives is in the word, it says he's pruning independence. But I also want to tell you what he's pruning. He's pruning out of that independence. Really what came, the fruit of independence is control. And control comes out of fear. 
when we attempt to control things, we are attempting to keep ourselves safe. And we don't even recognize many times that we're doing this, that we're living out of a fearful way of control and independence from God. And so when God comes to prune us, he's pruning fear off of us because he is pruning everything that doesn't, you know, our our destiny is to be conformed to the image of God. That means anything that is not conformed to Jesus, anything that is not, (laughs) that is acting like a wild branch apart from Jesus, he's coming after. So let me, let me continue reading. It says, the words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me for I remain in life union with you for a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit. So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to me. I am the sprouting vine, meaning he's growing guys and you're my branches, meaning we're growing, we're going places. But as you live in union with me, as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. In the King James Version, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So I'm going to go back here for a moment to Psalm 4610, when it says, be still. And know that I'm God. Acknowledge that I'm God. Come back into this awareness of me. Wake up. Snap out of it and acknowledge my presence. Acknowledge your union with me. Come back into this place where you are awake. And I think it's really interesting that that Psalm 46, be still, is the exact same phrase that Jesus spoke to the storm. And when he spoke to the storm and said, be still, it says in the Amplified Version that it's like, It's like the wind beat itself out, wore itself out, isn't even in the amplified version, I think. And I just get that picture of Jesus saying, be still. And it's like, he's speaking to that frantic storm. And then here in Psalm 46, he's speaking to you and I, be still, stop living out of your mind. Stop living out of your emotions. Stop living out of your human thoughts that are originating out of an unrenewed mind and originating out of human origin and transcend all of that where life in the spirit is, where you are in union with me. Because this is where your life is. Your life is in the one who is life. Jesus is life. So I'm encouraged. I really am encouraged. And I I pray that the podcast is also encouraging you because this is something that God is going to accomplish in us. He is going to teach us to abide. And I want to encourage you that everything in your life right now, if you are connected to, to this podcast, connected to me, And you know it's the Holy Spirit. Like God has led you to this and you're listening to this. And God is, you know, he's speaking to you through these teachings. I want you to really embrace that everything in your life right now is about these words. The circumstances that you're going through, 
I'll tell you, I, 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 so many times I see believers resisting circumstances rather than embracing the truth that is being revealed in those circumstances. I'm going to go back to the storm and and Jesus. You know, that storm coming up, those circumstances coming up for Jesus were literally not a problem. He was sleeping in the boat. He knew his destiny. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew who he was. He was the son of God. He was the lamb that was destined to take away the sins of the whole world. And so guess what? He was not stressed out. In fact, he was being so still, he was sleeping. He was resting in the middle of those circumstances. But yet the disciples are freaking out. They're frantic, frantic. And they're accusing God. You don't care about us, blah, 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 blah. And... That storm then was only a problem for the disciples. And it was only a problem for the disciples because they were not living like Jesus was. They weren't living in that point in their lives as being one with the Father. And so I just want to challenge you. I, I, I know this is a hard word, but I believe you're here for a reason, and this is actually an answer to your prayer. The circumstances in our lives always reveal what we believe. They reveal what we believe about ourselves. They reveal what we believe about God. And they reveal the degree that we are abiding. Because when we are abiding, we are never a victim. We are never less powerful than whatever it is that we're facing. You have to separate from Jesus to be powerless. You have to separate from Jesus to be a victim. And I know it's a harsh word because the truth of the matter, I can raise my hand on this too, most people have been victimized at some point in their life. They were victimized. But just because you were victimized does not make you a victim. Powerlessness is an identity. And I said this, I don't know, maybe two podcasts ago. I said, you do not get the, you don't have the luxury of allowing the things that you've been through to define you. Jesus Christ is the definition of you. And abiding is about the awareness of who you really are, of who he is for real right now, in you, in the circumstance, in the situation, and the mind of God about the situation and about the circumstance so that you, like Jesus in that storm, can act as Jesus in your current circumstances. You're going to be living out of that place of of abiding and God has an instruction. 
Maybe it's speak to it. Maybe it's march around it. Maybe it's ignore it. Maybe it's apologize for it. I don't know what the circumstances are. But abiding is the way through. And when you stay in that place of abiding, there is nothing that can stop you. There is nothing that can defeat you. Because you are not even the one doing the work. God is able to build your life. God is able to fulfill the call of God on your life. God is able to meet your needs. God is able to be God. And this waking up and snapping out of it and being still and acknowledging that and coming into a place of awareness so that you are not under the circumstances and living out of the carnal mind, but living connected to that source is not only how we overcome anything, but it is how we sleep in the, in the middle of it. It is how we maintain our peace in the middle of it. And it is honestly how we live producing all of the fruit of the spirit regardless of what's going on externally. Success in life <laughs> is found in abiding. And yes, it's going to be miraculous. Yes, you're going to expand the can kingdom. Yes, you're going to fulfill a purpose. But more than that, you are going to live out your entire life, every day of your life, experiencing eternal life right now. Not waiting till you get to heaven to actually experience it. And so, beloved, I'm going to pray for all of us because I do know with everything in my being and this moment that whatever circumstances are going on right now in your life, God is using them. He may not be the author of them, but he is using them to reveal who you are. He is using them to teach you how to abide. Abiding isn't something that you just do all, you know, when it's all quiet and you're journaling and you're, you know, got worship music playing. Abiding is a way of being that enables you to live like Jesus, as Jesus, with Jesus, in Jesus, every day of your life. And I mean, if, when you go through the Gospels and look, like, look at what Jesus, how Jesus lived in union with the Father every single day, and really just, <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. Whether he was healing the sick, whether he was, I don't know if he was becoming invisible in the crowds and just slipping out, you know, but he was, he was living as a supernatural human, a connected to God, divine human that was releasing heaven everywhere he went and, and speaking words of life and deliverance. It was just an incredible, it's an incredible picture of what life looks like when you live in union with God. I mean, did he have people coming against him? Yeah. Did he have circumstances going on all the time? Totally. But he was not moved. He was not shaken. And I, I, I really believe with all of my heart that 
the circumstances that we're facing, even now, whatever those look like, they're shaking everything off of you that is honestly not you. It's shaking all the independence off. It's shaking the false identity off so that you, the real you, who lives in union with God, can actually be the you that's showing up in the world every day. So, Father, I do. I pray, Lord, for every listener. I pray, Father, that... I just... (laughs) I'm just... I, I just release sleep in the storm. I release rest. I release abiding. I release peace. I release a sleep, Father, that, that is actually awake. <laughs> I release a, a dullness, Father, to the things of the world and a awakening, God, to the realm of the Spirit. I just release the lessons that are needed for us to learn to abide, God. I release revelation. I release communion with you, Lord. I release a completely new way of being for every listener today, Lord. Thank you for completely overhauling our operating system so that we learn how to be and not just do. I just release the fulfillment of the prophecy, Father, for 2020 in all of our lives. I I declare we are on the path to its manifestation and that every single day you are causing the manifestation in our lives. Do what you want to do, Father. Do what you want to do in us and through us. We surrender. We surrender completely to this lesson. And we thank you that you are totally going to finish the work that you began. That you know how to do your job. That this is not even something that we can figure out independent from you. We can't learn to abide apart from you. So God, you are orchestrating all of this in our lives. And we are along for the ride And we thank you that it is such an incredibly exciting adventure that involves awe and glory and wonder, God, as we just stay awake to the beauty of who you are and who we are in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, if you are just ready, I don't know what else to say, ready, ready to jump in with both feet into this lesson of abiding and into experiencing your union with God like never before. And then from that place, discover your purpose and transition into it so that you can wake up every single day living in it. I really, really encourage you to send us an email. You can send it at info at shalice.com. That's info at S-C-H-L-Y-C-E.com. 
send us an email and just let us know that you want some more information about Emerge. Emerge is our, our uh, school of transformation that uh, is unleashing incredible world changers every single month uh, and bringing people in, you know, for out of purposeless living where they are living their purpose through union with God. And then also, I encourage you to partner. I encourage you to head on over to Shalise.com and sow into the ministry. Your ministry, your gifts enable the ministry to continue these podcasts and continue reaching and preaching the gospel all over the globe. And it's making a really big impact in people's lives. Uh, every week we get emails about the podcast. We get emails about, you know, the different, e- uh, just the love notes from God that we send out. And so your support is absolutely changing lives. So I just encourage you with that today. And other than that, you have an amazing, amazing day, an amazing week. And I just say, listen to, just I don't know, listen to the podcast more than once and definitely get that word from 2020 and make sure that you are really sitting with that and allowing that word to germinate in your heart because mastery is something that you focus on. All righty. God bless you guys.